Well, we're back after our little winter break. And to be frank, there's not really much to talk about. But hey, anyway, we'll give it a go. It's episode eight of the Premier Non-League Podcast. This is the Premier Non-League Podcast. So then there were three... And it's not Chris. We've unfortunately been, Chris has been replaced by Pete. So uh, I guess we've got to part with Pete for an hour or so. Pete, hello. How are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad, mate. Apologies for not being on the last podcast. I understand uh, you you missed me. Obviously. Oh, yeah. Like like a hole in the head, mate. Like a hole in the head. Didn't we, Trev? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, gents, you, you guys had a, well, I say a nice Christmas because it's obviously a very different Christmas for us all. And, you know, where we all live being thrown into TIFF or locked down a day after Christmas on Boxing Day. Um, did you enjoy what you could enjoy of Christmas? No. <laughs> well, I'm sure you enjoyed a few carlings, though, didn't you, darling? Yeah, I had a couple of couple of beers, but I think that, that was about the highlight, really. You know, you just can't beat sitting on the sofa all, all through the uh, Christmas holidays, can you? It was pretty weird, to be fair. It was a very strange Christmas because, you know, there wasn't really much to celebrate or be thankful for this year, was there? No, not at all. Uh, I had plenty of football plans on Boxing Day, Little Hampton Wick and a nice local derby in the County League. And then I was planning to uh, get across to Eastleigh in the afternoon to, to watch them play uh, Weymouth. And as it as it was, I ended up watching it as a stream in the front room on the laptop. So, yeah, that wasn't quite what I had planned, I've got to say. At least you was in the warm, Trev. And indeed I was, yeah. And it was a nil-nil draw, so maybe the best idea was sitting on the sofa watching that. Apologies to you, Strev. It wasn't was, wasn't a bad nil-nil, I've got to say. I'm not sure if it was before we recorded the last podcast before our break, but I know, Trev, me and you were going to go to Lansing and it all was all, all going ahead. Bought, bought the ticket in the morning yeah. and then got cancelled about an hour later and the cheeky buggers kept the 30p service charge on PayPal. How dare they? And, and I bet it didn't go to the club either. I bet it went to the blooming ticket provider. Yeah, that was unfortunate, wasn't it? We were looking forward to that. A bit kind of surprised that being the only game in the county league that they decided not to call it off on that Tuesday. They were going to start their season suspension from the Wednesday. But yeah, we were all geared up to go, weren't we? Three or four of us. And then uh, within an hour, that was it. Bang. I'd seen my last game the, the, the Saturday prior to recording the last podcast. Hmm. I don't remember getting invited to that. Yeah, you were. You said you were going somewhere else, or you you were going to go to the Worthing friendly that got called off. I think you were going to go to. weren't we going to? Went Worthing playing East Grinstead or Haywards Heath or something like that. I can't remember, but you 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 were saying you were going to go to the Worthing game, although you didn't really want to go to a friendly. I think. Oh yeah, that was it. Yeah, I was just getting a bit fed up of friendlies to be honest. Because yeah, know, didn't you miss a friendly? Yeah, Haywards Heath yeah. is the one. Yeah. Oh, that's the one you missed. Yeah. Yeah, it's first first Worthing game I've missed for <laughs> since. December 2018. <laughs> <laughs> so, for you to not actually go to a Worthing game, obviously something's completely wrong with everything going on. But I guess it's what we're all really feeling anyway, because, you know, I've said it before. I said it on the podcast for Christmas. I'm kind of, you know, losing a bit of will. But, you know, you want to see a competitive game. That's why I'd rather have gone and seen Lansing and go and see my own team playing a friendly because the friendlies for me are just pointless. I know they could keep the fitness, but it's just nothing in it. Yeah, it's just just frustrating because you're like, well, if we can play a friendly, we can play a competitive game. So true. That's so true. that's why you know that's why my mind was working, and like I said, that's why I just didn't have the motivation or inspiration for you know 40, 45 to one hour journey up the motorway to Haywards Heath 
for another yeah. epoxy friendly. Yeah, in a cold night when it's getting, well, it wasn't as cold as it is now, to be fair. But I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I've kind of started watching league football a lot more now because it's on TV. And unfortunately, the team that I support, as we all know, I don't need to repeat it, but they're crap at the moment. So it's a waste of time. So nothing's really cheering me up in the football world right now. Yeah, from my point of view, I haven't really been watching the football on television either. Just sort of lost lost interest at the moment. You know, there's no crowds in the stadium, so the games just seem a bit bit boring to me. Sometimes mm. they come across as practice games. It's I know they're competitive, but it's just it's the whole the whole structure of it. I just I, I just can't get my head around it at the moment. Well, we'll talk about obviously. Shall the, I go so, now? Yeah. Bye. See you later. <laughs> Thanks for your input, Pete. Well, we'll talk about the consequences of what's going on a little bit later on in the podcast. But you say there are no fans around the stadium, Pete. I don't think you're watching the Marine Spurs game last night because uh, there was a lovely terrace with people sitting in their back garden drinking Prosecco and sitting on backs of garden sheds sponsored by The Athletic. And you know what? It, it wasn't official. Yes, we know it was sitting over the fence. But it was just so nice to see people watching a game. Yeah, I did. I did flick over for about 10 minutes and watched about 10 minutes of it when Spurs got their second goal. Mm. And it was that, was it a foghorn that was like a police sign? Yeah. And, kept, yeah. kept, kept, kept. and I was yeah. like, I can't listen to this. <laughs> and towards the end of the match, they kept, someone kept on playing It's Coming Home uh, on three lines. And I mean, I think it summed it up if you looked on socials after someone had tweeted, I can't believe I'm looking out my back window and Gareth Bale's in the end of my garden. And literally a picture of Gareth Bale at the end of this geezer's garden. I thought it was quality. And Gareth actually retweeted it with a little waving emoji. But, you know, fair play to Marine. You know, they, they were trounced 5-0, but it was kind of expected. But, you know, I think it could have been a lot worse and they did well to keep that scoreline with the uh, squad that Spurs had. But what do you think about the onslaught that, is it, Trev will um, probably correct me here, is it Vinicius or... Yeah, can't, yeah. Can't yeah. With, with, his, with his celebration, I mean, everyone was going on and the way he kicked the ball into the net, everyone sort of come and giving him grief. Do you think it was worthy of him sort of smashing the ball into the back of the net for the first goal and standing there doing that um, Mbappé sort of uh, celebration? He's done that celebration after the three or four goals he's already scored for Spurs in an yeah. empty stadium after a Europa League match. It's Europa League, it's the FA Cup, that's his celebration, that's what he's going to do. I, having, having obviously watched his games, being a Spurs fan, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna notice any different. That's what he does. It's no different to Shearer running yeah. away with his arm up in the air like he's always, like he did for you know his whole twenty-year career. That was his mm. goal celebration. No, it's true. I mean, but I, I, I guess it probably just you know key, keyboard Karens. But you know, at the end of the day, I think it, I think what got people was the way he just smashed the ball into the net so hard, think, and then did that when he yeah, didn't need I, to. I, th- I think that was the fact that the ball nearly got stuck under his foot and the, the fact the keeper was going down and he was quick enough to shift it to the side and then, you know, get it into the net. I think that was a little bit as well, probably a little bit of frustration as well because he's not he's not got a lot of Premier League minutes so far this season uh, and he has missed quite a bit of even bench time in the last few weeks as well. So I think that was a little bit of frustration coming out, um, you know, in that in that first goal. But that third finish was a lovely... Lovely surviving little chip over Pete, the top. Pete, do you notice typical Spurs fan always an excuse for everything, isn't there? There's always an excuse if you're a Spurs fan. <laughs> yeah, but you've got you know. a child. <laughs> I don't know. Well, we ain't got that stupid bog brush playing for us anymore, so who cares? Oh, he scored a beautiful goal. I actually did watch Forest the weekend. Um, yeah, he it's, it did. It's scored a great volley the weekend, Lyle Taylor. So you against leave his old, against his old goalkeeper as well, um, who used to play for Charlton, Dylan Phillips. 
Yeah, but he did say, you know, he had to move to a big club and, you know, he's found home. Uh, Yeah, struggling at the bottom of the championship, really big club. But hey, hi, we won't go into that because this is a Premier non-league podcast. Um, Marine, with their virtual tickets, over £300,000 raised. And if you don't know what we're talking about, guys, because Marine couldn't obviously have fans in the stadium, they put a virtual ticket thing online, £10 a ticket. um, And I think, am I right in saying your name gets put on a plaque or something, am I right, in the stadium? And there's going to be a wall of it. Um, Or you could pay an extra 20 quid or an extra tenner to donate 20 quid to the fund. I know our Trevor's done it as one of the Spurs fans, but I mean, over £300,000 just from virtual ticket sales. I mean, they've said that set, the club up for probably 10 15 years just from one game it's amazing isn't it and ironically have they done better not having fans in the stadium than they would have had fans in anyway probably um like you say it sets sets them up for years to come plus they're also going to have the tv rights money um obviously they're going to get a couple of money a couple of grand for for losing the game um, so yeah, like you say, it's, it sets them up, and it's great for a, a, a non-league club. And Jamie Carragher also, I think, gave thirty k or something to sponsor the dugouts for his twenty three Carragher Foundation, which was cool because I think another sponsor yeah. pulled out for some reason, which has probably brought you know it's a bit daft really in the grand scheme of things. No, I totally agree. Why would you Why would you pull out of a game like that, Marine v Tottenham Hotspur? You know, biggest game in that club's history. Now, Trevor, do you think even if you haven't had your love for non-league and, you know, I know Spurs is obviously your other team, but um, would you have still donated the tenner anyway as a Spurs fan? As a Spurs fan, I, pro- I probably would have done, yeah. Um, I think, it, you know, absolutely cracking idea and, and, and brings, you know, brings together again that football family. The, you know, the Premier League at times get a lot of bad press for the wealth and everything they've got that doesn't get redistributed. Um, you know, the fans of of, of not just at that point with Marine, you've seen it where the Premier League clubs were, you know, fans were putting monies into crowd crowdfunders instead of paying the extra money for the uh, pay-per-view games that, that that they wanted to put on. Yeah. So I think it's just shown that, you know, especially in the light of the current circumstances where non-league clubs are really struggling for money, um, you know, that you do something like this, you'd be a little bit imaginative um, and you think outside the box, you know, and this is and this is the response you get. Yeah, you know, 30,000 30, tickets sold yeah. is, you know, an absolutely phenomenal thing. And Spurs fans, you know, should have a little pat on the back for that because they could have all just gone, you know, why do I need to stick a tenner in for that? Tenors, yeah. you know, your average sort of price for watching a game at that level at, at step four, you know, absolutely fantastic achievement. And, you know, and well done to Marine for doing something like that. Yeah, it's brilliant. It is really good. And, you know, it is ingenious. And, you know, see all the sponsors around there. And it's a nice little day out for everyone really involved. You know, I know for a fact of it being Worthing, I'd have been awfully proud to have seen something like that. But, you know, Worthing always seemed to cock it up in the cup. So I don't think we'll see us playing a big name at Woodside for a very long time. But saying about the FA Cup and continuing on that theme and maybe excuses, (laughs) surely beat Derby. Was it 2-0? And... um, Derby's excuse was it was they're under 18s or under 23s or something, which is fair enough. I appreciate, you know, with COVID going on and everything like that. But I don't really care because Chorley have beaten championship side Derby. I mean, great achievement. No, being a Forest fan, I'm not going to shed any tears about <laughs> it. No, of course not. I didn't think you would. No, very good game. You know, Chorley um, got relegated out of the National League last year. I think they probably would have said they came up a year or two years too early themselves. They got relegated again last year part-time side in a predominantly full-time division. Um, but they, you know, really, really put themselves about yesterday. Like you say, it was Derby's under-23s, under-18s, but these are these are kids that 
are expected to move into into professional teams, whether it's at Derby or it's in League One and League Two. Um, and you know, Chorley's performance was was fantastic across the pitch. You know, a lot of credit, a lot of credit to them. And again, the money raised from getting through to the fourth round is still going to help a club at that level. Yeah, it might not be as low as uh, where where Marines step four. Yeah, so you know, at the end of the day, that's going to be a lot of money, a lot of publicity, a lot of gain. Uh, who've they got in the next round? I think was it um, Wolves? Wolves at home. Wolves. So there you go, Premier League team. Which you know, Wolves are a good club, but you know, on the day, on the match, you, you don't know. I mean, they could get hounded with COVID. And, you know, you could see a team in the fifth round. Who knows? Well, last time to do that was obviously Lincoln City under the Cowley brothers three years ago, which they highlighted where obviously they they, they uh, took out Burnley and then went to uh, went to Arsenal. And I, if I remember rightly, they kept Arsenal at bay for 30 minutes at, at the Emirates before yeah. they lost, I think it was 5-0. But, yeah, they were the last non-league side to, to get through to as far as um, as far as, as uh, children have done. Can be done. I think, yeah, and I think, as you say, Trev, like, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we are sitting at home a lot more now and you know I found myself watching a lot of games this weekend which I probably wouldn't normally do if I was off on a weekend because you know be going out and do whatever I'd probably be at a football match myself you know if it had been like a non-league game weekend I would have probably been out watching football myself but you know I really felt like the magic of the FA Cup despite being very different this year and that cliche saying I did feel there's some you know magic there I mean we can talk about Crawley fair enough Crawley are a league two team but they were non-league for a very long time. And the last time they sort of reached this round was against Manchester United when they just got went to Old Trafford and held them to, was it, I think, 1-0 Man United beat them and they nearly equalised right at the end. Uh, or was it 2-1 or something? But it's a very close game. And you think, Crawley, I've got a soft spot. I used to live in Crawley. I was living in Crawley when that run happened. I think it was 2011 or 2010. And, you know, I, I couldn't believe it. Crawley with a League 2 team against Leeds who had a pretty decent strength side and they beat them 3-0. I mean, I didn't expect that to come, especially with Bielsa being such the sort of wizard he is. I think, I think as well, where you've got again no fans in inside stadiums, there's nothing to lift those. If you know Premier League sites, if you have a look at the Premier League games as well, you can tell there's no there's, there's no home advantage that sides enjoy for about two weeks when fans were you know let back inside stadiums. You know there were those up in the very north who didn't even get that far as having people in, but you can see that occasionally. You know, those players are human like everybody else. You can do as much as you can off the pitch with your tactics and everything to get players to perform to a level. But you that extra boost they get from from people cheering and shouting, booing, whatever they want to do, um, you know, you can tell it is missing at some uh, 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 at some times. And it is, it is a little struggle for the players to, you know, get themselves up for it. 100%. Do you, do you think, Trevor, that... Um... If we, because we've only had a couple of players who have sort of, well, I don't think many have, have come out and said, right, you know, this is a horrible situation to be playing in front of, of no fans. And I don't think even managers have really come out and said it's, you know, it's really difficult to aspire and playing in front of nobody. Um, would you think that that is actually the case, Trevor, that it's difficult for managers to motivate these players? I don't think it is. I've spoken to a couple of National League managers throughout the course of this season and I've, I've asked them that you know, particular question. Has it been um, you know, difficult to get players motivated to play inside empty stadiums? And they've, and, and they've you know, both come back to me and said, no, it hasn't been a problem to do it. There are still points at stake. And I think the way they get that message across is right. And the same at Premier League, Football League level as well. I just think at some points during the game, when it just falls that little bit flat, 
where you know the players might think we'll have a bit of a breather, we'll slow it down. If you've got sixty thousand people there or six thousand people there going, you know, come on, let's get this going and 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 whatnot, it then becomes a little bit of a different ball game. And I don't think it shows up in every game. It doesn't show up every minute of every game. It does show in some bits, um, you know. And again, they're only human like the rest of us. But saying that, Chris Dixon said when we interviewed him that even they found like, you know, he's obviously still got a lot of friends in the game. They do struggle not having fans in the stadium because, as you say, Trevor, you know, with Crawley, with the other teams, it's that lift. You know, could if Spurs versus Marine had been in front of fans and there was obviously it would have been very heavy Marine, you know, sitting there, very heavy home support. Would it have been 5-0? Would it have been less? Could it have been more? You don't know. But I know for a fact that from speaking to players, and as you said, players and management do miss having the fans in, but yet it shouldn't affect their preparation. No, yeah, I don't think it affects the preparation at all. Um, but, you know, any any preparation can go out the window in the first minute when you can see the goal. There's your game plan gone um, all the way through. And I think, you know, the players at, at any level are, you know, professional enough to be able to cope with it. It's when you get to that point of a game where maybe um you know again you haven't had that interaction from the from the fans on the sideline that the game's just falling that little bit flat and you just need that one chance from the stadium that just lifts it up a little bit and then the players think you know off the game. well you know for a fact you like do your job don't you and you know mm. if you, you think you're doing a you know your own job if you thought you're doing a crap job but yet someone said oh well done Trev you're doing a good job even if you didn't think so is that that one fan might shout out to the player on the wing say come on mate like heads up you're doing well and that gives them that little push to go oh they're going to make that run now it's going to curve a ball into the box and uh, score the winning goal like 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 me with Jasper and I did a commentary and he's ringing down our wing James yeah he always acknowledges doesn't he he likes the, the thing with football now is the only person who gets abuse is the referee the players don't get any abuse. Right, rightly so, a lot of the time, I it's, find, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the referee who gets the abuse now in the, in the stadium from the... Uh... Well, oh, well, Pete, when we're, when we're sitting there watching that last match, we saw a competitive game of Worthing versus Three Bridges, and you got that referee was absolutely dog-awful. And Trev as well, sorry. You know, <laughs> are you surprised they get abuse? I'm not. Because uh, some of them can't even handle the game. No, this is the thing that, you know, the, they moan at they moan in the championship, in the premiership about the referees. Are you like, well, you want to try coming to a couple of games at air level and, <laughs> and, and see what goes on? No, but, but you know, what say that, what I do to have the chance to shout abuse at a referee or get Larry on a microphone or have Pete tell me off for biting my tongue and maybe accidentally swearing on air but you know we'll get those days once at once again but uh, I mean FA Cup guys just rounding this off uh, really pleased outing for the sort of non-league sides don't you think did overall I, did I see Liverpool have got Man United yeah, yeah boring yeah. <laughs> that's boring another big gun out the way uh, yeah yeah it's true all, well, set, little... setting, the, setting the rate for Marie I'm oh, sorry Chorley to get to the final well, yeah. you know, can happen. Could yeah, be like tonight. Sorry, Trev. Like I say, you know, I suppose Liverpool have got to beat the Minnows to win the trophy, haven't they? Eh? <laughs> <laughs> well, as as we controversial, as we're recording right now, it is uh, still nil nil. Fiftieth minute uh, of the Stockport and uh, West Ham game. I went to Edgeley Park um, as a Charlton fan before they were relegated down to non-league. It's a real. I don't know if you guys have been to Edgeley Park, but it's a real. Sort of, it's a really nice ground with a nice atmosphere there. It's, uh, it's proper non-league. Well, it is proper non-league now because they are non-league, but nice little ground up north, up north in Manchester area. No, I can't say I've been there. The furthest ground I've been to up north is uh, Roker Park, Sunderland. 
Furthest north, furthest north I've been is Carlisle. Yeah, I've been to, I'm into, I think for me, it'd be Middlesbrough then. But I've been to Celtic across the border and stuff, but that's a different country and I don't really care about us anymore, so who cares about them? Hey, I shouldn't say that. My mum's half Scottish. I'm, <laughs> my mum Scottish. I'm half Scottish. But anyway, rounding that segment off nicely, guys. FA Cup, come on, Chorley. And guess Crawley and stop Port Festival, innit? Are you PNLP? So... To be honest, Trev's going to go on about something now. Um, don't know what he's going to go on about, really. Something to do with funding. So we'll give the mic across to him. Go ahead, Trev. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Thanks, James. Um, we have touched on the last few weeks funding, which obviously they've had 10 million out of the government to distribute between their 60 odd clubs across the three divisions. Um, what, wasn't it lottery money? Yes, lottery money, as sourced by the government. Um, <laughs> and. Um, there's been a lot of disparity about who's been paid what, who's had too much, who, who's had too little. The independent panel set up came back with their findings, their results. The National League then spent a little while looking at looking at what they'd proposed and what they've said, and then they um, finally published it. Uh, a lot of clubs were were asking, why have you not published it as soon as it came out? Um, why did they sit on it for? for for uh, such a while and a lot of the recommendations were that actually clubs were overpaid by x amount of, of thousands which meant then a few other clubs were obviously then underpaid uh the panel actually took um what they were asked to do which was report on the two separate payments that had already been sent out and then the further payment which was coming out in december which was the third payment of the three to come Obviously, that panel and, and their findings were, were set up pretty much just a few weeks before that funding was due to go out as the third payment, which duly happened. Everyone had the same amount as they had in the previous two. I spoke to a National League South chairman during the week last week. I'm not going to name which club he is. I don't, I don't need to. There's 20 or 23 teams in that division. Um, just for him to put his view across, which was nice. He wanted to uh, speak to me on the phone and and, and put out and um, his his reasoning was um, that they based all of the figures they were sending out on last year's average attendances, which you would think actually seems quite sensible. But when you come to this season, the maximum anyone was allowed into a stadium was going to be two thousand fans. So it didn't matter whether you were Notts County who average. 6,000 to 9,000 plus, or your Boreham Woods and you average under a thousand, you're still only going to get 2,000 in. So his belief was that the money should have been based upon the fact that everybody this year was only allowed the same amount of crowds. No one's going to have an advantage from that respect. And for those clubs that cut their cloth accordingly in the summer, I, I, I don't get that because it should have got it should go on the, the, the you know the seasons prior that they get this average attend not what they could have because of a COVID crisis but going on what their income is in past seasons but, and what their relative average is. Okay, said so, said so club last year were in the bottom six, averaging around about six hundred. Now this season they're in and around the playoff positions their average attendance would have increased from 600 
up by at least probably 200, maybe four, maybe even double. But even still, they would still have been under the 2,000 that they were allowed, but they cut their cloth accordingly in the summer to make sure that the club survived. Now, what he's saying is that those clubs that haven't or didn't cut their cloth are the ones that are saying, hang on, we should have more money because we're paying a wage bill that is equal to us having 4,000 punters through the gate. But this season, they still only would have got 2,000 through the gate. So where would they have found the extra money for the other 2,000 that they physically can't get in because the maximum attendance was 2,000? So, so, so what you're saying is because it was 10 million in the parts that the clubs probably thought that was going to be spread out equally between all the teams. So therefore, they would have had more money based on their average attendance than they would usually have got in and they've spent more than they should have? Not, no, not those clubs. The clubs, the, the bigger clubs, which are the, uh, a lot of the ones that are saying, hang on, we've got the right amount of money. It's right. We averaged 2,700 through the gate. Well, that's lovely. You could last season, but this season you're only going to average 2,000 through the gate. If you have that for the whole season, where are you going to find the cash? Imagine everyone had 2,000 fans this season. That's all they were allowed from back in, back in October when they were going to first allow fans back in. Everyone had a COVID capacity um, and it was different per club, but if the government went 2,000, that's it. It doesn't matter that your COVID capacity is 4,000, you're getting 2,000 all the way through. And you average 2.7 from last year, so you've built your budget on the 2.7. Now, the government are not going to budge, or the DCMS are not going to budge on the 2,000, that's it for the whole season. The club would then have to find the difference of that 700 people to get through. And that's what he was trying to get across was that he's done, he's cut his wage bill by quite a substantial amount to make sure A, the club survives. And if they were allowed fans back in, they would still be able to pay everybody and possibly have a bit left over. Whereas the likes of your bigger clubs that have got a bigger wage bill have not looked in the summer and gone, actually, we need players, you know, Dover, for example, all their players were asked to take a 20% cut. When they didn't, they released about half a dozen because they need to make sure the club financially survived. But these, where the bigger clubs have gone, well, we're going to stick with that wage bill we want because we're still going to aim for promotion. That's great. But should you have not sourced some outside funding for it? Because it's not guaranteed that you get this money. So when it comes to the next tranche of payments, which are going to come from the winter fund, again, it, it's going to be, you know, is there going to be a disparity between who gets what? And it's basing on figures for last year. It's difficult. Yeah, it's difficult. But I don't think there should ever have been a disparity in the first place, to be honest. Because if you, like I say, you've got to base everything on 2,000 people coming through your door. I, I understand that. But when you, when you know there's going to be some extra funding for you, extra funding for those leagues to help support the clubs, then... The, the way they set it out was it would be based on your attendance. And a lot of clubs done very, very well at those payments. And a, a lot of clubs done very, very poorly. So you could say, right, you've got to cut, cut your cloth accordingly, all the rest of it. But it was still a, a lot of areas where that, the way it was divided up, put a lot of clubs in an advent, advantageous position and a lot of clubs in a really 
terrible position where they've probably had to go right. You know, we, we we've got to cut this. We've got to cut that. That's so what... I I don't think it's been fair. No, no, I quite agree. Um, you know, I can understand the bigger clubs shouting more because they are bigger. But um, you know, as you quite rightly said, why are we basing it on last year? Last year was last year. You could get six thousand in last year. You can't get six thousand in this year. You're going to get two thousand. And if that goes all the way through the season, you know, that is what we would be covering cost-wise. At the, at the same time, Trev, um, what I would say is, obviously, June, July, we were coming out of this crisis. We were, things were slowly getting better. We were going back to football. Things were, were looking a lot more positive. And you're like, you know what? We could probably, we could probably get this season done. And then it all hits the fan again, as it were. Uh, and we're in that scenario. So, so even though the start of it was like 2000, there could have been a situation where if we hadn't had this, uh, you know, second second wave, as they like to call it, although I still think it's the first wave carrying on, um, and the variants, that basically, you know, we would have been in a position where people would have been able to have their, their full attendances. So... On that basis, I would say their attendances, they should have took them into account for the last two or three seasons and said, right, this is what they get. They've had this over two or three seasons. This is an average, their average gate for a season. We will pay them on that. Yeah, I, I think it would have been fair to, fairer to have looked a little bit a little bit long term and a little bit short term and then come together and gone, right, this is, you know, this is what we've come to, you know and then see where we go from there. But I think to where the National League went, right, they're having that, they're having this, and they're having that, and then not actually looked at, you know, in enough in enough depth as to how much it really should split it down. I mean, they, I think they split both sets of payments between, there were two payments for the National League clubs and two payments for the, for the um, South and the North as well. So you either got the first, you've got the bigger payment or the smaller payment. And again, basing it on on last year on those clubs that maybe should have, you know, looked to projected to do a little bit less. And then, like you say, if we'd have managed to get through into a season and clubs were then able to get more fans in, then you can start to, you know, add a bit more cloth to the cloth you've already got because you know the money's there coming in for the coffers. So, what's what's your overview on view on it, Trevor? Do you think it was it was fair? In my opinion, no. Um, I think there's too much conflict on the National League board that each director is a member of one of the member clubs. Uh, the independent panel they set up should be how, how, how a board is run. You're always going to have maybe one or two representatives of, of, of a club with, within that board, but it should be as neutral as, it, as, it, as far as it can go because then you don't come to this kind of situation where people are then accusing others of, of you know, almost thieving from, from the pot when they really shouldn't have done. This is the problem with non-league, though, because it, it stems all the way down. There are people on boards of local football associations, the FA and stuff like that, that are going to look out for their own club. We found it in, you know, the Trident Leagues. You found it in the non-league. There is always, and that's, that's the problem. I'm not going to name names. Pete's laughing. He knows exactly who I'm on about. But the thing is, at the end, I think Trev knows as well. But the thing is, at the end of the day, I think it's not fair. I think it should be one member of every club is on the board because it's the only fair thing. Yeah, it, it, it either has to be a board of, of, of 20 people of the 20 clubs in the league, or it's got to be a smaller board of people where, you know, it is maybe 
half made up of neutral and half made up of clubs. And then when it comes to a vote, the club members are going to have to abstain if it, you know, affects their affects their club. It's, you know, pretty similar, pretty similar outside in the business world. You know, you've got a vested interest in, in, in someone else's company because you've got shares in it that want to, you know, make the next, you know, road bridge or something. You're going to, you know, put all your eggs in that basket for them. You're not going to go for the guy down the road, even if he's cheaper, because you've got a vested interest that you're going to get a return on it. And mm-hmm. no different on football boards either. So no, where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? What What's the next steps? Uh, more funding. <laughs> well, obviously, but how, is it going to still be the unfair? Is everyone going to be un- upset and unhappy as long as they go along? There's always going to be someone that's going to be upset. Is it going to continue this way? I think it's going to depend on the National League coming out and saying, one, how much they're going to get allocated from, from the winter fund to give to the clubs, how they're going to distribute it. Having, um, they, you know, they said some of the points that the independent panel came out with are quite valid um, and they will use them. But the proof in the pudding is going to be when they get find out how much they get and where it's going to go to, whether they've listened to the independent panel or whether it's going to be... You know, we've made that, but we might have to make a couple of sacrifices to a few clubs to appease a few others. I, I you know, I don't know. It really is going to depend on how much they, how much they get again. And again, a bit like steps three to three to six. Is it going to be grants? Is it going to be loans? It's true. It's true. We're going to have to find some way out of it, chaps. It's going to have to be some resolution somewhere for many things in this world. But you know, good, good update on the funding, and I'm sure. Again, in a couple of weeks, Trev will probably have a new update for us because he is the knowledge bank when it comes to this funding. So the situation is fluid. There'll be someone else annoyed next in the next couple of weeks. And uh, <laughs> Trev, I'm sure, will be on up, up, up to date with it. And uh, we'll fill us all in in a couple of weeks' time. The Premier Non-League Podcast. Gentlemen, the three <laughs> words I hoped I would never hear again rearing their ugly head once more. Do we know what they could be? Do you know what I'm gearing out here? Um, the natural world. <laughs> sexy, lovely football. Because I don't think it's that. No, it is a uh, null and void. No. That, those no. effing words <clears throat> I thought we would never hear again. The lovely chair people of the Trident Leagues have come out with that saying this past week. Right, so... If you listen, if you're listening to this in say 2025 and you think, what the hell is going on about COVID? What is this COVID thing? Or still going on about COVID, possibly in 2025. We're we're in January 2021 right now, and everyone's in uh tier four, complete lockdown, national lockdown. And um quite rightly, I think non-league below the elites have been suspended. And I think why I say quite rightly is the testing, you know, this new strain, or as Pete said earlier, this continued strain, whatever it is, is still, it's still coming out. And it seems a lot more people catch it now. Fair enough. And, you know, with non-league clubs that are not full-time, you know, they're applying their trade. There's obviously consequences of mixing with work and a mixing a game and they can't, they can't afford to test and, you know, they're never going to get the funding to do the testing. So it has been no matter right or wrong. I know us three here, we hate not having any non-league football. Luckily we managed to get some, us, all three of us going to the Dorking game in the trophy just before the lockdown was done. So some really lovely football. Uh, that was brilliant. It was a nice end really, I'd say to the football sort of season as we knew it. Uh, and it was nice to go and see some friends, but, they were good, weren't they, Dorking? Was it was really, I mean, sexy well. Dorking. I mean, you say sexy Worthing. On the Saturday after as well. 
Yeah, you're gonna play. They're gonna play Bar- They're not buying it out in the end. Yeah, three one. I didn't even know that. I think I was yeah. so annoyed with football being all cancelled. I didn't even know. So Trevor was gonna gonna go as a sort of talking <laughs> fan. But um, but gents, we, we're hearing those horrible words again. That you know, before we obviously all met each other, um, Trev over the course of the past year, Pete and I, you know, doing the Worthing podcast and commentaries, we did a few, you know, broadcasts in regards to the null and void, and you know, we thought we're sick of it. But again. There is no plan. You'd have thought at the beginning of the season they would have had some sort of like what happens if. But again, it doesn't seem to be because the, the league and as you say, uh, Trev, the chairman comes out and says, uh, we haven't made a decision yet. It's got to go to the clubs. But I know Pete's gagging to rant about this. So should we pass the mic over to him next half an hour? Pete Vale, everybody. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to be ranting for that long. I'm not going to bore everybody to, to death. Um, but... Hold on, Pete. Let me get my popcorn first. <laughs> we, I, I did have a rant on our chat on Friday evening um, I think you missed it Trev you, you went to bed early <laughs> but yeah, yeah I was I was watching the Yorkshire Ripper documentary <laughs> on Netflix which is very good and very dark but I woke I, I sort of next, obviously put the phone down and all of a sudden there's about 80 odd messages in our chat group and Pete's going off on one I'd, I'd message him early in the day asking if he's alright because I hadn't really heard from him for a few days He's very quiet. And then all of a sudden, he's, he's, he's saved all his energy for this chat. <laughs> I heard I heard about the null and void being bandied about. And I was uh, uh, I was like, no, this cannot happen again. It's just such an unfair thing to happen. Um, you know, not, not just being a Worthing fan and being top of the league for two seasons running. Uh, you know, whoever, if, if any other team was top two seasons running, I feel the same for them. I feel it's not right. Um with the National National League South continuing, why should they have another season that no one gets relegated from if we don't do promotional or, or relegation? Why, why, you know, why should failure be rewarded? I, 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 I don't get that. I really don't get it. Now, you know, the, the chairman, uh, one of the chairman of the Trident Leagues tonight was on, uh, the, the, he won't mind me mentioning it, uh, the DNK repost show on, on Facebook, which is another... Uh, a live show that goes out on, on Facebook on a, on a Monday evening and Twitter. Um, and there was a chairman on there, can't remember his name, of one of the Trident Leagues. And he was saying, we was in such an impossible situation in the summer. And okay, you could say, yeah, okay. Yeah, it was unprecedented, all the rest of it, you know. But they made that decision really hastily, I thought, on, on the first null and void. You know, within two weeks of the lockdown, they had called null and void after 71% of games. Now, they're coming out and they're saying, he said tonight, he said, you know, it's not that we have made a decision to null and void. He says, we haven't made that decision. It is not firm. We are going to ask the clubs on their feelings and their thoughts about it. So basically what you've got is a situation where they're asking clubs on seven or eight games. Now, as Trevor said in, in the earlier piece, you've got some clubs in some leagues have only played three leagues, three games. So how can you base a PPG on, on a season like that? I don't think you can. I don't think it's fair. And I think it's, it's totally wrong to base a PPG on a season where some clubs have only paid seven to ten percent of their games, it, it would be totally, totally, to, totally wrong. Okay, so obviously, the only other solution is null and void from the league's point of view. 
that's from the, that's from from their point of view. So they're going to send out from the FA a questionnaire uh, to the clubs how they feel the season should be finished. And my my thoughts are, we've got this target of fifteen million people to vaccinate by the middle of February. Three point five million are in the 88% category of the people that die of COVID. So all of them should be vaccinated. So therefore you could get to a position where in April and May, you could possibly start getting things back to normal, hopefully the middle of March, you know, um, and that might relax things enough to allow a football to continue in its present form. Now, what I think they should do is hold off on any decision. Don't ask the clubs. Don't ask them anything. Wait to see what the situation is in the middle of March after 15, 20 million people have been vaccinated. These are government targets that they've set out that they want to hit. And that will incorporate all the at-risk age groups, all the carers, all the NHS staff, the top four categories. So get them vaccinated. Let's see where we are. The pressure should be off the hospitals then because a lot of people are asymptomatic and a lot of people who do get COVID don't really get that ill. So let's look at it then. And then if we're in position to play in April and May, there was, always, there was a proviso put in that we could continue playing football till the end of May. So if we can play two months of football, Let's split the leagues, split the leagues in half, not top half, bottom half, in a geographical location, a sensible, so the clubs haven't got huge travelling expenses, et cetera, et cetera, and go, right, we all play each other once. I don't know how you're going to sort home and away. Maybe uh, draw lots for that. You'd be very unlucky to get 11 away games. Um, all play each other once, and whoever's top, gets promoted because two two teams are promoted there from our league so say you know uh cray win our league and uh margate win the north part of our, our league then those two teams get uh, promoted sorry cray uh what are you talking about obviously we're sorry they're in the north part of our league aren't they yeah whatever yeah, I, didn't, those teams. I, I, I didn't i didn't want to say the b word <laughs> no no b word no, they'll get relegated hopefully <laughs> what what but yeah, they'd be in the north part, wouldn't they? Um, but yeah, but in the, in, anyway. yeah, in the south part, say Leatherhead then. I just didn't want to say Worthing because I say I'm biased. Um, so yeah, and, and then the two teams that fin you play a split league geographically and the team play each other once, you could easily get 11 games in in two months, in eight weeks. That's not impossible. Um, and, and give it a chance to wait till the middle of March to make a decision and then at least we are preserving the integrity of the game and the integrity of the league system and the step systems for non-league football. Because I think they are really, you know, with the league above us being able to play, the National League being able to play, and obviously all the other leagues, then, you know, we're just being classed as the, the, the poor little citizen. And these clubs need the turnover. You know, they say they're trying to get funding from here, from there, from everywhere for for clubs at steps three and below um but i don't think i've seen 
much money coming in from from anywhere. I think there's been a couple of little dribbles of money. Have you tapped but... up Barry uh, uh, Worthing's chairman to give him your suggestions to see if he agrees? Because it might be your way into putting your suggestion across, mate. You'd like to think other well, people have heard about it. But... But I, I would, I would like to hear your guys' views. That's my. Well, answer. I was, I was going to say, like, you know, I, Trev and I have spoken. You know, at length when we've been doing work, and you know, Trev, what in an ideal situation, you're the chairman of a club. You've got your thing through. Obviously, you're going to vote no to none and void. What's your alternative? What are you going to do? To be honest, it ain't going to be a lot different to to Pete's. Uh, yeah. There, um, I think they're they're right in what they're doing in camps in the clubs for for a null and void, but. I don't believe they need to act on it until they find out exactly as Pete said, where we are with this vaccination programme and whether there is actually a hope of the game restarting. I don't see anything wrong with canvassing the clubs. You're going to get clubs in the top half of the table that want to carry on because they want promotion. Some have spent money on it. Some haven't. Some are in a very good position. You're going to have those at the bottom that, you know, through some, some through maybe no fault of their own, they found themselves at the bottom end of the table. There'd be those in mid table that think, well, we've got nothing, we're not going to have anything to play for. We might have only played 10 games, but we were aiming for mid table. We're happily stop it there and, and we start again. I think we're going to get that, you know, that divide in there. And um, I think the, you know, if we get to March when that vaccination target's hit, if, if it is, then. There's no reason why we can't have a split of two months worth of football. So, so that's that's the problem for me is that with with the null and voiders, you're going to get the clubs that have got no, no ambition that want to stay in Eastman for another year. They want to stay in the Premier for another year. You've got clubs that have had a crap start to the season that think, oh, we're down the bottom. We carry on with the break. We might be getting worse. We might not have had any things. You've got clubs like Worthing, you know, Horsham, you know, even the B word that are like doing all right this season and they're going to be up the top there. And, you know, the thing is, at the end of the day, I look at it and think (laughs) it's not going to be a fair vote because if I was the chairman of a club that looks like there could be relegation fodder, then I'm going to say none and void. But then you've got the same situation as last year and, you know, you've got South Shields, for example. Yeah, they're not doing as well as they did last year, but they're up there. But James, this, this is the problem. This is the whole problem. This is why the league has to come in in the end at the end of the day and make a you know make a decision that it's not going to be popular with some. It's going to be popular with others. Which whichever way they go, they that they, they can't win. They 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 can't win on this one, and it's it's a real shame. Now tonight I heard a suggestion that one of these chairmen and one of the Trident League said there could be a scenario where in April and May. To keep players playing, we could play a COVID Cup round robin tournament, and I'm like, if you can do that, you can play league games. Basically, if you can do that, you can play league games. Well, I mean, the, the thing is, then you've got the point of being, what's the point of a COVID Cup if we can't play league games? You say, you know, they, they, they're happy to do that, but again, it's for nothing. It's friendly, so we're not going to be interested in people going to turn yeah, out. And, and, and there'll be no promotion or anything. No. Let's play the league. Let's maintain the integrity of the pyramid and get this done after last year. So Let's I'm gonna, get it done. I'm going to be completely different from what you guys said. Now, whilst I agree with the idea, Pete, of this little split in the league, I do think that's a brilliant idea. And I'd like to think the people see sense and think... Yeah, that is a good idea. Maybe they've already got that idea themselves. See, my idea, and I said to Trevor, and you know, it's it's controversial, but we all know 2022, the World Cup 
is in December, November, December time because of Qatar, because of the heat. They can't play in the usual July tournament because of the temperature out in Qatar. Um, now, we could go into hours about Seb Blatter and the way it was awarded, but we're not going to have libel cases to shut the Premier Non-League podcast down before we've even really got going. So I'm not going to touch there um, whether Seb uh, actually listens. But I look at it and think, right, we've got this situation where we're, we're screwed at the moment. You know, football... Yeah, football's getting people through. League football, we can watch football on TV, which is great. You know, the FA Cup's had a little bit of fun this weekend. Um, and going back to like league games, championship, premiership, everything like that. But put a pause on that for a month or so. My, this is this is what I think. And yeah, I'll be interested to hear your thoughts. Pause on that for a month, month and a half, two months. Restart again. Hopefully, as you say, Pete, like the vaccination stuff gets sort of lifted and people start getting back to normal. And then we could start letting fans back in the stadium again, possibly. 2000, we could do. Stop, but stop, then... stop. You froze again. Where did you get to? You was just about to start on about your idea. Well, yeah, what part of it, though? <laughs> what you, did you, you, hear? you You suspend it for a month? Yeah, okay, okay. So, suspend... All football for a month. And whilst that's not going to be an ideal world because it's one of the things that are getting people through this other bit of lockdown, staying at home, I appreciate that. You know, I've been watching a lot more football, as I've said, you know, than I normally would on TV. Lock it down for six weeks, two months even. Restart. Not Monday, not Saturday, not weekends and weeknights. Start doing weekends until October time, November time. Have a winter break and then restart the season in January, February. Then have a hopefully back to normal in 2022 have it all that year and then world cup november december back again in maybe february to start leagues for maybe some sort of mini league maybe you can split the leagues and then get back to normal football calendar because no matter what they're going to have to be a plan anyway about how they're going to deal with this world cup situation because there still hasn't been a plan of what they're actually doing for it yet have they but the world cup isn't going to affect a lot of non-league players. And- not non-league, but overall league. You know, there's still the promotions and stuff. And, you know, do you know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, so, you know... Which, what is which, the plan? Whichever way it goes, it's going to, you know, as we've said, it's going to please some, it's not going to please others. You know, even below the levels of step three, mm. four, you've got the sides in, in the county leagues where step five, two clubs are going up, which should have happened last year. And at step six, there's four clubs. They need to go up. It's not going to be those clubs just in the four positions there. It's going to be three underneath that can catch those four as well that are going to want to play. So I think, you know, canvas canvas your clubs, get get your figures in, keep it to one side in a sealed envelope in the safe, leave it alone for two two months, work on getting the funding into these clubs, into steps three to six for the next two months. We see where we are. And if we need to say... It can't continue because we're going to be in a lockdown longer than March. If it has to go to null and void, then they've done their uh, due diligence almost. Um, And there's no decision now by the end of January that we've got to write the season off because, again, it would just smack of, you know, um, let's wash our hands of that as quick as we can. It's one less thing to deal with. Let's get on with something more important. Yeah, and and you imagine having to wait till August to watch your non-league team. Yeah, uh, mate, it doesn't, it doesn't even bear thinking about, mate. It's, I literally just the thought of it is just absolutely diabolical because the thing is, no matter what, I can't even still go and watch, you know, my professional football team. I can't even do that. And for me, it's not even watching football. You can watch football on TV. It's actually going to the game, the smells, the 
atmosphere, the you know, the whole match day experience, whether it's non league, whether it's professional. <laughs> What's that, mate? Abusing the referee. <laughs> yeah, abusing the referee. I mean, or I think that, I think that's why my wife fell in love with me when I took her to Charlton games and saw me effing and blinding. She thinks this little geek that minces up and down an aircraft aisle during the day can go and be so abusive towards a referee on a on a night time. Like I think she I'm said, to me, well, that. "How was it?" Two 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 hours ago, you were mincing down an aisle. Now you're effing and blinding against the referee. I was like, yeah, to be fair, you got a point. <laughs> yeah. I, I, and as regards the smells, Jan, I just miss your Lynx Africa. You know, <laughs> I know what the what the the Marmite Lynx Africa that I had. <laughs> no, it's it's only it's only the best for you, Pete. You know, just the fake the fake uh, the fake fragrances just for your liking. You know, I wouldn't waste an expensive one on you, mate. To be fair. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I can't be doing Lynx Africa. I smell like a baboon. <laughs> Honestly, it's terrible. It's the worst. It's the worst deodorant ever. Twenty-five yeah, years I'm of Lynx. The Premier Non-League Podcast. In a more serious note, so the the worst comes to worst, and the bloody FA null and void it again, and we we have that awful awful possibility that you know because no matter what. Uh, you know, I completely think you're right. Put it on hold, put it on ice, put it in the safe. Don't do anything until we know about the next steps of the government because, again, it's way too early, in my opinion, to start calling leagues. It's way too early. Put it on ice. But part of me thinks that's not going to happen. I, I just got I just got no faith in them. I, and I'm sorry, Nick Robertson came on, you know, fair play to him. You know, he came across very well. But I know he's not the only one, but, you know, I, I've got no faith in these it's like someone said it was a blog that a manager said that we were reading just before Christmas. You know, they need to stop eating their prawn sandwiches and going along for their little freebies of tea and coffee and actually do the job of a chairman of the leagues. I'm sorry, but I'm sorry. It needs to happen, guys, because, you know, let's just take Worthing, for example. You know, we try not to be Worthing centric on it, but it's not it's not a shy matter that us three on the tonight have got a very, me and Pete especially, got a soft spot for Worthing. You know, that's our local club, it's a club we support. Trevor, you cover them a lot. You know, you, you've been to a lot of games with Worthing. But we've got a situation where Adam Hinchwood, who runs the first team, he's the first team manager. You've got, he's the academy manager. And he's pretty much, I call him the CEO of Worthing, really, because he is really like the CEO. He's out of contract in the summer. Now, George Dow, who's invested in the club for a long time, done amazing things for the club. You know, I think we're on the right foot forward. Are we going to have the money to pay for a sort of level that Adam's done now? Now, I don't know the ins and outs of him, but could it be a case where George says, I can't afford to keep you on in this sort of role? Does Adam then go coaching at a club like Brighton, like he's been before? Because I'm sure there'd always be a job there for Adam. You know, does he go back there where he's got guaranteed income? Not going to have this again. Feel like we've treaded on. I got all these players. You know, some of these players... We had scouts from, you know, Charlton. We're looking at Jasper, apparently, and um, Marvin Armstrong in earlier games this season against Folkestone. 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 Pete, do you want to correct me? Folkestone. <laughs> but we had we had scouts there looking at them, and these players are going to want to up their careers, but this is going to have the setback for them. Are players going to get bored? Have they found other opportunities during lockdown? Do they think, well, sod this. I'm not going to maybe make it as a professional footballer. I can't be bothered to like waste all my time thinking and holding on to this hope. And dare I say it, Worthing may not be a strong side next season, which is travesty because look how close we were to National South. Well, James, saying that this was another part of my rant on Friday night on a group chat is, uh, you know, it's it's disrespectful to the players as well. The, you know, the way they've been treated, like 71% of games 
on average, we completed last season. There was there was no reason to go null and void. <laughs> you distracted me there by doing what you've done. Um, there was no reason to go null and void so soon. You know, the, these players give up so much time, family time over weekends and everything, travelling miles on the team coach, sitting there for hours bored, not getting home. Obviously, when the coach drops them off at the club, they still got to jump in their cars and go home. Um, hours and hours and hours they they spend when they could. And I know some of the players at Worthing, they've got young families, um, you know, and it's just, it's the same across other non-league clubs all up and down the country. And it's such a disrespect to them, I feel. And if they do it again this year and just write it off too soon, again, it's another kick in the teeth for the players. And as you say, a lot of them are probably saying, you know what? Can, can, can I be bothered with this? I'd rather spend, I'd rather do some overtime in my in my normal day job. I might get more money for that. Um, yeah, and yeah, just give 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 up on the whole thing. You know, we've got to remember the players. Obviously, we got, you know, we're not saying, that, you know, this pandemic should be taken lightly. People are dying. We understand it. We understand all of that. But we've got to do things right at the right time but not rush decisions. Just do not rush decisions. Take your time over it. Let's see where we are after the vaccination rollout in a couple of months, and then we might be in a situation to get some sort of league finished and maintain the integrity of the game. Trevor? I think as well, Pete, when you look at as well, you know, from, from that level three right down to six, you've got people that sponsor, invest their money in clubs. Now, they've put money in for two years in a row, and they've looked at it and gone, what return am I getting out of this? The club's only operated for probably two months this year. How much exposure have I got out of it? Would I be better spending a little bit more and going into the EFL, into the National League, where my exposure is going to be a little bit more? I've, I've lost that exposure. It may be my local club, but I'm not getting a return on my money. Do I just cut my losses and not do anything? Do you know what summed it up, though, Trev? When we went to the Free Bridges game, all of us were there. Did you notice the lack of sponsorship around the side of the pitch? Now, that, to me, is travesty. Because I don't know if it's a regular thing. That was my first visit to Free Bridges Ground. But I noticed a distinct lack of sponsors around the side of the pitch. Now, if that's because of COVID, sponsors are the lifeblood of these clubs. You know, you look at it, you know, clubs like Worthing, clubs like, you know, other clubs around the area, Bognor, for example, you know, Horsham. They're lucky. They've got all the sponsorship that they are. But these smaller clubs like Free Bridges that are in the league below. <laughs> it's is awful. It- it's, it's depressing. You know, I'll, I'll be honest, I bought, I, I purchased a board for the second half of uh, last season because uh, it was on offer. Well, that was so, silly, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah. So, and obviously, you know, my, my board's, board's never, never gone up. And it's like, you know, um, I do a little business development thing with the club as well. And so, you know, it's a, a couple of quid a week, not a great amount. Um, but, it's, it's like, like you say, you know, a lot of sponsors will be like, well, I'm not getting a return on that. Maybe, you know, would I be better putting that, that, that money into Facebook every week and, you know, building up, building up that way? You know, people are going to look at avenues, other avenues to spend their money. Um, and, it, you know, obviously I would, I would never change what I do. You know, let me assure you, because oh, I, 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 I love working football club and I'll, I'll do anything I can for them. Um, 
but you know there's going to be other people who aren't as affiliated i know i know worthy got a couple of sponsors who you know they get they go to a game occasionally all the rest of it they like having their board around the pitch but they're not as invested as i am um so obviously they're going to look at it and they're going to go well maybe we could we could spend that 500 pound a year you know somewhere else but the thing that concerns me as well, Pete, is it's not even just the sponsorship side of things. These young, impressionable kids that are sort of in their teenage years that we sort of saw a lot of at Worthing, are they going to be tempted away by the likes of Portsmouth, by the likes of Brighton now, when they could have been tempted to come to Worthing? But because there hasn't been that exposure, they're watching Brighton every week on TV or Portsmouth or Southampton or, you know, even, dare say, at Crystal Palace, up them lot up the road. Are they going to be more influenced by going to them and then think, actually, no, I want to go to a proper like football ground, like a proper experience, professional football? I think that I think that's, that's the future. Really, yeah, I think that's a really thing for non-league clubs. Is you know, uh, like I say, Worthing have got a, a good fan base, a uh, lot of young fans, and um, you know, we've been to other non-league clubs around our league. There's a you know, there, there is a quarter of young fans, and you, and you, you you're dead right. Are, are they are they going to come back? Are they going to come back or are they going to turn into armchair supporters supporting, you know, would rather watch TV, uh, football on the TV, rather than go out in the cold and, and, and watch a game? They'll be like, oh, miserable today. I'm, I'm not going to bother. I'll watch, you know, Brighton or Portsmouth or whoever. So there's going to be a situation where you're going to have people that are scared to come out into crowded situations again and not want to come straight back to games, thus meaning less income. So unless they've got these things like streaming set up, which you never know, they might not be allowed to because if the government reneged on their 3pm rule, then they might not be in a broadcast. I don't know if it really matters at non-league, but you're going to have a less crowd, whatever, because people, even with, you're going to have the anti-vaxxers that people might not want to be around and, you know, everything like that. There's going to be a real mess of things and less income. And you've got to remember, some of the volunteers at some of these clubs, and I'm not one, yeah, and I'm not one of them, but some of them are... Well, you do volunteer for the commentary service, really, don't you? You're looking at you know, like that. You know, I am on the committee. Uh, they, they are in their, you know, sort of, you know, the once of a better phrase, their twilight years. Are they want to go there and, and be, 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 be in a crowd? So, you know, clubs could lose volunteers. Yeah, Trev. We actually, when I interviewed Nick earlier in the back end of last year, he did say that one of the things that he wants does want to see continue is is the streaming for that very reason that that the people not everyone's going to want to come back straight away, and again, for a lot of people, something we've not yet touched on yet tonight that comes with the fans as well is is, is people's mental health. Even even being able to sit at home watch your favourite team on a stream, you know, is going to is is going to some for some people be the best they're going to be able to get to that they're comfortable with. They should be, you know, they should be able to have that option, you know, and it does so much for the mind of so many. Now, we have said it so many times on the podcast route since we've started you know, it's episode eight. We know for a fact there are some people that football is their life. I mean, I was talking to a sponsor of one of the s- committee members tonight, um, a sponsor of one of our projects in the Worthing's committee. And he was saying he's just got no output. He just goes to work. He's in a key worker role. He goes to work every day and he's got no release of seeing friends down the pub. He was going football. He's a Spurs season ticket. Well, he hadn't even been able to go that. You know, at the end of the day, you know, there's there's this, there's no release. So you can have people that are mentally struggling. You know, they might be sad and lonely, but their output is football. James, I, I'm exactly in the same situation. You know, I'm, I'm going to work. Um, I'm driving to Kent. So I'm driving to London. I'm going to Reading tomorrow morning. 
from Worthing and you know they're long days and everything you know generally when I when I drive back of an evening I stop outside my favourite pub to Burlington on the Worthing seafront give them a plug there for free I, I get a free pint next time I go in. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> not at their um, prices. No, not at them prices. Uh, so, you know, I have, I have a swift pint there before I come home. Um, and, you know, to release, I see a few friends, all the rest of it, have a quick chat with them. Obviously, because I've got a car, I can't have any more than a pint. Some people have obviously say you can't even have a pint, but it's only Foster's. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so you come out. And now at the moment, you know, I'm coming home, dumping on the sofa, and it's like, what should I do? It's like, there's just there's nothing to do. Well, it's my wife's just called me. She's now nicknamed me the troglodyte. And I don't know if you know what a troglodyte is, but it's a cave dweller. And it's literally someone just sits there doing nothing. She says, that's what you've turned into, a troglodyte. So, like, from the last sort of six months, I've been nicknamed the trog. So, you know, that's what it is. Um, he, he does he do does something, doesn't he, Trev? In the Amazon WhatsApp group, so that everyone else knows. I'm um, yeah. the troglodyte. Yeah, well, Vicky will love that. To be fair, but no, he he dyes his hair. He dyes his hair. Well, it was it was ginger. Now it's kind of blonde. So you know, I think I'm rocking it, guys. You look um, bolder. You look. Bolder no, no, actually, on before. the camera. Funny enough, on the camera, I do. But I think it's because the headphones are actually uh, the same sort of color. But it actually makes me look like I've got more hair if you look at it close up because you can't see the bald patches as much. Okay, <laughs> you need to see it in person. If I still have it when I next see you. But, you know, going back to it, though, guys, it's like, you know, you look at it and you think, you know, football is is an output and it is what people love. And, you know, to have the thought of having null and void again for something that's very accessible. And we all three of us can say we all support professional clubs, but the cost or, you know, the sort of commercialization of the game has driven us away in some sense. And we've gone to non-league. So the thought that, yeah, at Charlton, for example, I'm not a season ticket holder. So you're going to have all them that have paid their season ticket. They're going to be in front. They're actually going to be able to see the game if they allow fans back in. So that means people like myself, if non-league's cancelled, I can't go and see a Worthing game. I'm going to have no football to see live action until August, possibly September. Who knows? Unless we have the COVID Cup. Oh, mate. But the thing is, it's like... Is it's that like the a, worst thing you've ever heard yeah, in your life? Yeah, it's the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. But it's like we were saying before Christmas, that's why I went to games like Dorking and I was going to go to games like Lansing because it was competitive football. I don't spend time with me, nothing else. Yeah, I just want to spend time and hold your hand, Trev, to be fair. Your in-car selfies. You've got no <laughs> fans, got no fans and all that. But, you know... <laughs> I just, I just, I'm sick of it. Like, I, we need to get some normality, and you know, we're not going to get all political. We've got you know, the spying views and everything like that. But you know, hopefully, the government target of this vaccination thing does start because once these, as you say, once these vulnerable are all vaxxed, then surely that's room for us to go back to a bit of normality. It's the way out. It's the only way out. And like I say, you know, that those age groups account for eighty-eight percent of the deaths. Yeah. So let's get them done. Let's get the vulnerable done. Let's get the carers done. Let's get the NHS done. And the key and then, workers, they're forgetting about, the key, like, you know, for, my, to, for example, like people like myself, like, you know, I'm, I'm furloughed from my job as a flight attendant right now. You know, my wife's still working. At the end of the day, 
transport workers, teachers, they're not even in the list, but they're kind of important because bus drivers, train drivers, train conductors, flight attendants, pilots, teachers, why are they not high up on the list? Because they're the people that need to keep the country running as well. Supermarket workers. Policemen, paramedics, you know, it's it's who do you put at the front of the queue? Who do you put in the middle and who do you put at the back end of it? Uh Well, yeah, I think that's the thing, isn't it, Trevor? That, that you know, the whole thing, you know, you know, they've had to come up with some sort of priority basis. And both of you have just looked between you 20, 20 odd professions that you could easily put at the top. Yeah. And obviously, you know, you've you you have you have got to put it in some sort of order mm. that you're saying, right, we you know, we've got to do 80% of the deaths are from this age group, let's get them done. And I think I think that is the way out. I really do. Yeah. Well, we need an exit plan of whatever. No, it doesn't even matter about football. We need an exit plan in terms of just life and government. And you know, we need to have an exit plan. I mean, Brexit is all done now. Apparently, now we just need to get it all done with uh, that, that's working, COVID. Well, isn't it? <laughs> oh well, well, it just came at the wrong time. But you know, I, I just, I just, it does, it does really sadden me to think that I'm not going to see friends that you know, as you know, I've made made friends through football as you guys have done as well. And you might not see those friends at all for a good. Six months. I mean, Pete, you're probably quite glad you don't have to see me in person for a, a good time. But you know, I know, I know, a nice little beer on the beach, and when the weather gets a bit warmer, we'll be definitely in order if we can, and we're not getting fined for sitting on a bench. <laughs> no, I look, I, I, you know, I, I can't wait just to to get out and have a normal life again. That's, yeah. that's I think that's all anybody anybody wants. I think everyone's sick to the back teeth of it. I know my wife was on the phone to her her mum this evening. And, and her mum saying, oh, can I come around yours? And she's like, no, it's against the rules. And she said, you know, Pete's, Pete's working up in London, Pete's working in Kent, Pete's working here. And these are all areas with high cases. So I don't know what I'm carrying into the house. Well, I mean, I'm, for, I'm, 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 we could have had it. That's it. We might all be asymptomatic. We don't know if you're carrying it or not. We ain't got a clue. So... I mean, yeah, I look it's... at it, I think, you know, at the end of the day, we've all sat here and gone, you know, we've gone to games, we've gone that, we could have all had it. But, you know, I, I get an email the other day from my employers saying I'm going to be furloughed at least till May. And that is the most depressing email you get. Well, it's How not the work. It means you get another three months of working with me. Yeah, indirectly, indirectly, <laughs> indirectly. And is I mean, I mean, if I was working with you, Trevor, I want to go back to work tomorrow. To be fair, <laughs> no. Plus, you plus you're getting eighty percent, James. So it's not all bad. So you know, yeah. I'm, if I was I'm getting driving... if I was getting eighty percent and going out and seeing my mates and like <laughs> going down the pub and going to restaurant, going football, I'd be bloody loving it, mate. But I trust me, like I think Vicky, my wife, was glad to actually get out of the house and go on a flight today because she ain't furloughed just to get away from me for a few days. I mean, yeah, I know but... I would probably. But what you're forgetting is, you know, I'm I'm self-employed. The housing market is still open, so I've still got to do my job, mm. and and I've got I work for a housing association, do damp and condensation surveys. Uh, so obviously, people's health is at risk from you know spores, bacteria, all the rest of it. So you know, it's classed as key worker. But I'm driving to Reading and London and Kent. You know, <laughs> I'd I'd rather sit at home and eighty percent. <laughs> Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Try it for a bit, mate. But I don't know. Like you know what it was like driving you insane when you weren't working. I know you weren't on the furlough thing, but Christ, it does. It's just the output. It's like like the guy was saying to me earlier. It's having that output, and you know, it, it's stupid. Like even like with, with Trevor and me doing the same delivery job. Like you know, topping up my furlough wage, and 
you know, you, you kind of, that's the only interaction you have. Like the other day he was behind me. All right, mate. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Can't really see each other, but you know, we can't talk, but he can sort of, he can kind of abuse me over some sort of like loading packages in my car, but you know, <laughs> apart from that. That'll do. That's good enough for now. I mean, for God's sake, I've gone insane. I've dyed my hair blonde. What's going on? Yeah. Lost a few uh, brain cells in the process. Well, more. hopefully uh, tr- you've took a, tr- a screenshot and you're going to be posting it up, mate. Well, apparently I look bolder. According to you, so. <laughs> <laughs> it's not so bad as getting called a Chucky doll or something like that. But you know. I hadn't thought of that one. Yeah, well, you got a beard though. You got a beard, so it wouldn't work. <laughs> yeah, it'd be like upside down. Like my cousin, actually, I have to send you a picture. My cousin, I don't know if he put it on social, but he put a picture of me. Uh, he turned it upside down and put my beard on my head. <laughs> That's <laughs> not a bad idea. Yeah, it's really quite funny. But now going back to it, chaps, I mean, I just hope, like, by the time we do our next podcast in a couple of weeks, we have some sort of plan. And I just hope to God they haven't jumped the gun, gone to null and void because i really don't know like i think mentality for people i hope the chairman's see sense and stop thinking about you know their own narrow views and actually think about the wider world of football and you know what it means to people the easy option don't take the easy option if any of you listen i know i know um trev said he's got is it is it a manager who says listen gonna be listening to this podcast yeah 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 so you know please feed it back to your chairman please try and feed it back to as many people because you probably know contacts you know we're three fans of you know minority of a lot of fans of non-league just don't take the easy option because we really 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 want to get back and watch football again and we want to finish to this season yeah, we need to. It's it's not even. It's, I think it's a need, really. It's not even. I think it's just about the sort of you know the the actual for the love of the game, for the sort of you can't be sitting there watching professional football and then you know just forgetting about the non-leagues later again. But hey. and uh, yeah, and like I said about integrity, of the pyramid. You cannot have two seasons null and void. It, it would just be wrong. No, but let's hope. Let's hope. Anyway, uh, moving on. Final thoughts, really. Pete, have you got any shout-outs? I mean, there's not really any football to shout-out, but have you got no. any shout-outs? None, mate. Trev, final mm. thought? My final thought, yeah. Good to see Kevin Watson back in the game at, at Billerican Town announced last week. He's one of the one of the three I, I'd like to see back in the game this year. Darren Curry still without a job. Ian Hendon looking to get back in as well. Um, yeah, just nice to see. Nice to see people getting jobs in. Obviously, Someone had to lose their job for you know for, for him to get back in. Someone's gonna have to lose a job for, for someone like Darren or Ian to get back in. But the job's going around because there ain't a lot of football going on. No, no, that's what you got to think about. There isn't much football going on. Yeah. But you know, hopefully we see some resolve in the next few weeks, get a bit of change. But you know, if if it means that Marine were the last non-elite non-league team to play a game of competitive football this season. Fair play to them, you know, good on them. You know, they did, they did non-league proud and I think they should go out with their head held high. And, you know, I was proud to see and I'm still proud to see teams like Chorley, who obviously aren't are still classed as elite playing. Whether that will be the last sort of non-league we have, who knows? Anyone else? <laughs> I was just distracted by your cat, mate. Yeah, I know, she loves it. Podcast cat. <laughs> so no, it's just you know everyone stick to the rules, stay safe. Um, you know it's it's going to be the only way out of it. And to the Trident League, don't jump the gun. That's my final thought. Uh, 
That's all right. Well, it's easily cut. (laughs) 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 No matter what your views on are wearing a mask, vaccinations, whatever, but the closer we all abide by whatever rules have been implored and, you know, try and stick to your things, the quicker we can hopefully get back to a bit of normality. And that's what we all want. That's what we all want, no matter your views on it. So just think about that when you're moving forward. But I guess we'll be back in two weeks' time, maybe with a few more of us next time that can be bothered to turn up, you know, part-timers and all that. It's been a pleasure again, gents, chewing the fat on a lot of real real important topics tonight. So, you know, if if, if you listen to this and you want to get involved in the Premier League podcast, please do drop us the line at the PNLP on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook. We have got a chat group. If you want to hear from any footballers who've got any suggestions or got any contacts to let us interview and let Pete or Trev have a sat down with and have a chat, let's try and do it. Um, you'll see a few changes throughout this year. We're going to try and keep it a little bit shorter, have some specials with interviews rather than the long two-hour old stops we've done last year we've decided so you know hopefully we've got some big names coming soon but please do stay safe look after yourselves and hopefully in a couple of weeks time we'll have more of an update but for myself james trevor and Pete, thank you very much and have a good evening or good day or good night good morning good night bye <laughs>